passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It is Rewind to Dynamite, Wednesday, May the 10th edition. I am John Pollock, along with Waiting, alive and well, just like the Toronto Maple Leafs who staved off elimination on Wednesday, and they will go to Game 5. Oh, I was wondering. Thank you for the update. I didn't know. Oh, sorry. Is that a spoiler? Were you going to watch the game tomorrow or next week? Probably not, but um, I'm happy for all of uh, all, all the people cheering on the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Prolong the inevitable. Wow. Toronto Maple Leafs in You can't even let these people enjoy. I'm letting you know, enjoy, enjoy all you want. They won a game. It's, it's congratulations. They're down three to one. You're just begging for the downfall. Are you so, you're predicting they're going to win the series? I, I didn't say that. I didn't. Say why are you being so negative? Why? Why? Why wouldn't you be optimistic? I'm just look, look at like wow. I, I mean, again, everybody. John speaks as if he's somebody who's been deeply traumatized by you know uh, prior fandom of belief. So I understand. I do understand. Well, I uh, the funny part is I, I I don't get too much pushback from this. I think most people are in my boat. I, you know, it could be just like you know, think the worst, and then you won't be disappointed. Could be that. Yeah, that could be it. So um, no one will be disappointed by Friday night, but that is a, that is another sport. We are not going to be focusing on that tonight. Instead, we have lots of news to get into. We also have your feedback. You can also drop your super chats. If you want to talk about any of the news items going on, you are welcome to do so. But let's talk about the big deal way. What is the big deal that is uh, that is coming down between AEW and WBD and Next Wednesday will be the Warner Brothers Discovery Upfront Presentations in New York City at the Hulu Theater that's taking place on Wednesday. So earlier today, um, there had been a lot of uh, speculation online about uh, an imminent deal uh, between AEW and WBD. And then Dave Meltzer reported uh, mid-afternoon that a new TV rights deal between AEW and Warner Brothers Discovery will be announced as part of the latter's upfront next Wednesday in New York City. Dave Meltzer said that both the deal and the much-discussed AEW Collision Show will be announced at the Wednesday, May 17th event at the theater, which is the Hulu Theater, at Madison Square Garden. 
Now, Fightful, they are reporting that those that they have spoken to say that collision on Warner Brothers Discovery in prime time is a part of a new cash infusion for AEW and an extension of the partnership the two sides have held. They go on to state there was a lot of discussion and rumors both online and within Warner Brothers and AEW about this deal being a billion dollar deal over a few years. And that could be true if all of their deals are extrapolated. However, Warner Brothers Discovery sources had indicated to us that Collision was the planned upcoming announcement as opposed to an all encompassing deal that included Dynamite. AEW and WBD sources have not confirmed a dollar figure. The long and short of it is what we've been able to confirm is a good deal for AEW, an impending announcement of collision, and CM Punk's planned return. And have not been able to confirm the rumored dollar figure or an all-encompassing deal. So a bit of differing reports there, but what we can ascertain certainly, and based on the, the tease from Tony Khan, at minimum we are getting this collision announcement next week. And the question, I guess, is whether this is, in fact, an extension of its overall deal that, from my understanding, had like the option that could be renewed at the end of or for, for 2024. So that remains to be seen. But speaking specifically to Collision, I mean, it was all but stated by Tony Khan that if you missed the announcement tonight that uh, there is so much talent and we believe we can produce more weekly content and to tune in they they stated and this was interesting in the wording that pay attention to TNT next week who will be making the announcement and then we will follow up on it on Dynamite next week indicating that the show will be on TNT um this collision show or or were they yeah i think that would make sense but what what are the upfronts and when's that presentation it's Wednesday, Wednesday during the day, during so, the day, right? So you would assume that this is going to be made in conjunction with the upfronts. And then Wednesday night, they will be on the air and can and they as they stated, they will follow up on that announcement. So mm-hmm. uh, that will certainly be the big question. And yeah, and just is this an overall uh, extension of the television rights, the domestic rights, like we have seen now the elimination of dark and elevation for, from YouTube? Is this uh, a larger deal than than just collision and the timelines of such, but obviously that will be hopefully made clear within the next week. Mm -hmm. In either case, I mean, you know, some very positive news, I would say for AEW and Tony Khan and the growth of this company and their continued relationship with Warner Brothers Discovery. So um, I'm sure financially we'll figure out the details and whether I I have to think at this point um, it was worth well enough. Um, Does it preclude them from entering renegotiations for Dynamite later on? I guess we'll find out. But either case, it looks like their future with Warner Brothers Discovery is quite secure. Very secure. And you would assume that even if this is on its own collision, like a significant infusion of cash, because uh, Brandon Thurston and I did talk about this. This report had just come out as we were uh, uh, speaking today. But the fact that and you should definitely listen as Brandon kind of broke down some numbers of what this could mean. We don't know what the dollar figure is, but Brandon used some uh, WrestleNomics math to figure out what would be um, a a potential uh, increase that AEW could possibly receive. But they're adding another night of TV, obviously, and. The question will be, uh, like, we know of the Saturday date that they had scheduled in in Canada in July. Is this going to be every Saturday night? Would there be, because that is a tough uh, production schedule if you're talking about Wednesdays and Saturdays for that production team and people that have to be at both. Like, it's Mm -hmm. great if talent is just scheduled on the Wednesday or the Saturday, but for people who have to go back and forth, I mean, that 
that's tough when you're on the road Wednesday. And are you really traveling home on a Thursday to set set out again on Friday? Do you put your people on the road for two days before they go to the Saturday one? I mean, there there's logistical issues that come with that, but that's hopefully what a lot of zeros on a domestic rights deal can solve. For sure. Yeah. Um, I would assume maybe, you know, on pay-per-view weekends. And, and what does this mean for the pay- future of AEW pay-per-views? Do they stop running Saturday shows? And are we exclusively on Sundays now? Because how would that work? You know, I, I can't see a week necessarily being uh, going head-to-head with a, an AEW pay-per-view um, with, with our own TV show. Um, I I would assume maybe, as has been speculated, um, that they might move to like a Wednesday-Thursday taping schedule with like a Thursday being a, a taping for a collision plus, you know, whether it be Ring of Honor or something else. Logistically and financially, that probably makes the most sense for the production. But of course, again, but, you but know, a tougher night to draw than a Saturday night like it. But then you're looking at like, what is the like overall? Is that less headaches to do Thursday night? Um you know, you, you see what they do on a Wednesday night, like Saturday night. That is the positive in that you go to a city. It, it's a good night to draw for mm-hmm. a live crowd, but you're not necessarily that isn't going to be your number one priority. Yeah, probably not. What do you think about the idea? Like now that we can talk more about this Saturday night, how this works when Saturday is now becoming a WWE pay-per-view night and once a month you'll face a WWE show and to a lesser degree, a UFC pay-per-view. Like, I, I don't think a fight night's a big deal. And probably your rank-and-file pay-per-view, it's not a huge thing. But there are going to be big cards. There's going to be big boxing fights. There's going to be big, you know, college games. Like, it's it's going to be a tough night. But the WWE pay-per-view one is sort of like, that's going to be a tough a tough night every month. Yeah, they're going to be tough nights, though, I, I would say on most nights of the week. And at this point, it really is up to more so what Warner Brothers Discovery needs for their channels. Um, I'm sure they are tempering their certain expectations when it comes to head to head nights. Uh, bottom line is, are they getting the value for what they want for a Saturday primetime slot compared to maybe what they, they were getting before? Um, as long as they can provide that value for the people that are paying for it, then I, I don't think they should be all that concerned. But yeah, there are going to be weeks where they're not going to dominate the wrestling discussion at all. And that might open some interesting opportunity for counter-programming, creative counter-programming. How would an AEW counter a big WWE PLE? Um, you know, especially if you have CM Punk attached to, to your product. Most of the time, I'm going to say it's probably going to be kind of difficult, but that doesn't mean they can't try to, you know, give a big main event to counter uh, a PLE, for instance. So there's, um, it, uh, you know, hey, man, are we going to call these a Saturday Night Wars at least once a month? Um. I hope we can get a more creative title than that out out of it. Um, Yeah. The wars, the wars. So anyway, this is more of a story that I'm sure we will be significantly following uh, next week, but uh, yeah, I mean the Tony Khan all but stated like what everyone is assuming is going to be the announcement. And it's just the, uh, the size of this deal or deals as well. There are still a lot of things out there. There is, the expected return of Punk on the debut show. Do well, you, I was going to say, do you think we get that next week in conjunction with the announcement of Collision? I would I would certainly think about for this day where they're going to be subject to the upfronts and have a big media spotlight on them. I would want to blow this up as big a way as possible. Mm. I'm looking at this one. This is not one where I'm doing the wink and a nod about CM Punk returning. I think this is CM Punk speaks after a year of silence or off the record conversations. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
I would completely promote that. Uh, you know, this this is uh, already is the sale already on for the United Center show? Like, have they the June seventeenth show? Yeah, have they sold? No. no. Okay. So maybe you'll get that announcement at the same time. I, mean, I, I would think throw you it would all want at the same time. If you announce this next month, that's exactly a month out from the show. I think you would want to put tickets on sale immediately that mm-hmm. week. And you would think, yeah, like let's, it's a new show and CM Punk has a live mic on the first show, whatever you want to do to promote that first show and make it a big show. And, yeah. and I think it's like, don't fall into the WWE trap either of you just blow up that first week. And then what are we doing week three? And you're going to have to have big things on Saturday nights to establish the show. And you certainly have the player in punk to do that. Um, for, although, for although it has been reported that rosters might change and on certain weeks where punk might still actually appear on dynamite. Right. Yeah. But I, I would, I would want to make him, whether he is appearing on like dynamite intermittently, like I think for the Saturday night, you, you really want to make him a, a focus of, of the Saturday night and, mm-hmm establish like this as must-see programming for yeah. for the long term and, and not something mm-hmm. that just kind of is the the shiny toy and then kind of fades uh in in people's priority list uh but that is uh anything else that is coming to mind for you when it when it comes to this what what are you gonna do on a, on a saturday night way i don't <laughs> yeah know. i don't know i feel like my my family's gonna be a, <laughs> i'm gonna have a talk to, to, with them about how I'm, I'm gonna manage to fit this in on a saturday evening but I, i'm curious like you know the wrestling fans appetite for something like this saturday nights for a like an a-run program is unusual um or we haven't had it before so are, are well, you not guys... in this generation. I mean, this is not, you know, the the Saturday at six oh five was a staple for for people, but that is, I mean, that that ended in two thousand for all intents and purposes, and was is not a Saturday prime night time really. Six oh five. No, it's time? it's it's not prime time. Right. So, you know, how are you guys going to fit it into your viewing habits? Is this a show you'll watch live on a Saturday evening or is it something you'll wait and and, and watch? And and I think that puts even more importance on Tony Khan, making sure that every single one of these shows are can't miss. Because, I mean, look at Rampage, you know, um, week week after week, hot matches alone aren't going to do it. You have to make it appointment viewing or at least PVR viewing for a lot of people. So can they do that? All right. Well, I'm already getting questions, Way and. People are wondering, like, what is this going to mean for other regions? What is this going to mean for Canadians? And the only the only concrete answer, the only solution you can guarantee today to make sure that you see collision if you are outside of the United States is... NordVPN, of course, we have to thank our sponsor here at Post Wrestling. Yeah, you know, I was waiting for when you would do the throw, and you're kind of surprising me here with uh, off the top here with the very first story. But, you know, um, thank you, John, for letting me talk about NordVPN and, of course, the thing that I use to watch AEW programming in all of its forms. And if especially if you're a fan of AEW in North America, I would say especially if you're a fan of AEW in Canada, the best way to experience the product is through a VPN. And there are few choices in the field as reputable and as feature-filled as NordVPN. So, you know, I, people have heard me talk about this. I use it to sign up for AEW Plus on Fight. I get to watch the shows live, commercial-free and uncensored, so I get to hear exactly what MJF has to say to audiences during commercials. Every edition of AEW Dynamite and AEW Rampage are available through that service, and you can even pause and rewind at will, which is invaluable valuable for me now we don't know if collision is going to be a part of AEW plus yet but 
one can assume that there there would be some uh, deal and availability made for our friends, of course, who have access to AEW Plus, and that could be you if you use a VPN such as NordVPN. You can also use Nord to purchase subscriptions and even pay-per-views at a reduced price when you go through other countries. So I'm not going to sit here and kind of handhold everybody on the process, but it's 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 really not all that difficult to figure out. All of this plus Nord's robust security features protect your internet browsing from ISPs, trackers, hackers, access geo-blocked content, and escape speed limits imposed by your internet provider. Sign up right now, nordvpn.com slash postwrestling, and you can receive a discount on all plans, plus their current offer, which is four extra months on top of all two-year subscriptions or three extra months on top of all one-year subscriptions. That's basically, if you're getting a two-year subscription, you get four months on top of that so you're basically paying three dollars and 17 cents us a month on all standard plans so if that's not enough nord offers a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you don't like it within a month tell them you want your money back and that's it there's no reason there's 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 no reason to say no but there's also a reason why they continue to sponsor this show and that's because i believe a lot of our listeners probably agree that this is a very useful tool so again nordvpn dot com slash post wrestling keep letting them know that you found them through us our thanks again for their sponsorship of post that is it. Every day with NordVPN, it's one more day that you can outsmart the internet and geo-restrictions. Keeping on the AEW front, they did announce uh, a return to Boston coming up on July the 19th, and they have run the Boston market. Uh, well, they've really uh, you know, ran in that area frequently, but in Boston itself, they have run the Aganis Arena. They were there last April and did... Uh, 5,600 paid, and then last November, they did 3,400 paid. Well, this return on Wednesday the 19th, which would be about a month after this this new show debuts, it's a Wednesday night where they would tape Dynamite and Rampage, according to the advertising, but they have booked the TD Garden, which is the major arena in the city where uh, the WWE runs, where the Celtics play, where the Bruins play, and for a WWE sellout, which they have sold out for uh, the Survivor Series for War Games last November and a Raw back in March, uh, it holds 13,000 plus. So this is a a very big step up for AEW in the Boston market and does tell you about, I I would sense like a trend of getting more aggressive when it comes to uh, buildings and we're, we're going to see how the, this one does. Like they were, they were down quite a bit the last time that they were in Boston back in November. So they have to be pretty confident that something is going to be different this time around. And whether that's a CM Punk or whether that's somebody else, let the speculation begin about what free agents are out there from the Boston area. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're booking this for a reason. And so I'm, I'm very curious to see what that might be. Yeah, these are that's going to be a big show if they're running a venue of that size in Hmm. Boston. Uh, Shotaro Ishino, who we just talked about his big champion carnival win on Monday, uh, suffered a broken arm and he is out indefinitely. So he will not be challenging Yuji Nagata. They were going to meet on May 29th at Corcuan Hall. And Yuji Nagata apparently is still going to defend the title on that show, but no timetable yet on Ashino uh, coming back. But terrible timing, given he had just won this tournament, looked very good and beat T-Hawk in the finals on Sunday, uh, but suffering this injury during that match. So hopefully it's not too significant of an injury for him, but just uh, unfortunate as they seem to be putting the rocket on this guy coming out of the carnival. And I thought like a, a 
decent shot of him potentially winning this this triple crown um at the very least headlining a big show at the end of the month which will not happen too bad i mean um but hey like at, at least you've finished the big match that you needed to finish you have a story set for your comeback and you're catching a few headlines just you know no injury is is fortunate but the least you can ask for is that people care about your return and it seems like at this point people will June the 9th, that is when uh, All Japan, New Japan, and NOAA are doing their All Together Again card at Sumo Hall. This is going to be a separate pay-per-view that's going to cost you $30 US if you want to order it. And they have announced the first three matches. And here is what is, I'm assuming, going to be the main event with Kaito Kiyomiya, Kento Miyahara, and Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming together against Kazuchika Okada, Yuma Aoyagi, and Keno uh, of NOAA. So that is a really stellar uh, six man. And I think that everyone has their expectations in place for this show that it's probably going to be a lot of tags and such, but um, I mean, it's kind of the all-star game. And I think that, you know, to do this, you know, it's, it's not quite the level I think of what they did earlier this year with the Noah new Japan card, but nonetheless, with the involvement of all Japan, it does have a fresh flavor and just to see a lineup uh, of these six in a match together, I think it's going to be pretty excellent. And I would assume you're the next chapter in the Kiyomiya Okada rivalry. That's right. You will have them on opposite sides and their first uh, their first interaction since uh, since since the last uh, meeting and Okada's uh, destruction of uh, Kiyomiya, who then couldn't even go with Keiji Muto to the Hall of Fame ceremony after a concussion. Oh goodness, yeah. So but, um, portion of the proceeds will be donated to charity. So you know, before you scoff at maybe that pay per view price, it's it is um, all these companies getting together for a good cause. And they've also announced Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi against Yuji Nagata, Suwama, and Yuma Anzai of All Japan. And then Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, and Tomohiro Ishii against Noah's Masakitamiya, Daiki Inaba, and Yoshiki Inamura. So those are the three matches we have thus far. Looking ahead to Friday, that is when the Best of the Super Juniors tournament kicks off. I'm looking forward to this tournament quite a lot this year. It's a lot of matches per day, uh, but this first card on Friday uh, will start at 5.30 a.m. Eastern, and New Japan World is making this card free for everybody to see, and it's quite the lineup. You have Kevin Knight against Clark Connors, Ryusuke Taguchi against Taiji Ishimori, uh, Dan Maloney, who was previously in NXT UK, is taking on Bushi, Kushida and Doki. Francesco Akira against Master Watto, Leo Rush against Sho, Yo will take on Robbie Eagles, Teton against TJP, El Desperado against Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Hiromu Takahashi against Speedball Mike Bailey. So I think this tournament's going to be great this year. It's going to be mainly, um, you're going to get mostly 10 matches per show, which is sort of like the uh, what the G1 used to be years ago. Um, but yeah, it goes through May 28th, and uh, it continues Saturday in uh, Nagano and Sunday in Nagoya. But Hiromu and Speedball Mike Bailey, it's going to be uh, quite the match those two have. Heck of a way to start things off. So I'll be um, listening for your recommendations. Disney held its uh, earnings report on Wednesday. And way they had a pretty good quarter. They, uh, they brought in $21.8 billion this quarter, <laughs> up uh, 10% from the quarter last year. And... Uh, so some of the notes as it relates to uh, kind of their streaming business and, you know, how it applies to ESPN, which is going to very much affect the entire cable industry. So they were their linear TV side was down 7%. This, of course, includes ESPN. Uh, Disney itself 
lost $659 million in the quarter for its streaming uh, side of the business, uh, which is down from their losses of $1.1 billion in the fourth quarter of last year and losing $1.5 billion in the third quarter last year. So as much as we look at ESPN Plus and Disney Plus and Hulu, as these huge successes, I mean, they're still losing like $659 million and you can put only at the front of that number because this is an improvement over, we're not losing billions anymore, although they do expect to have some more losses uh, that will be, as they say, widening uh, throughout this year. Uh, and this, their streaming revenue is $5.5 billion. <laughs> Again, it's like you're speaking gibberish to me. Like it might as well. It's be monopoly money at this point. That um, like an so, alien currency that you're talking about. But this is obviously people are very focused on how, the discipline of many of these major streamers, and they have cited that through price increases and advertising, that's where they see their growth opportunities for streaming. So what they're mm -hmm. looking to do is that they're going to raise the price on their ad-free tier, while their ad-supported tier would be modest due to superior economics. So they are just going to continue like every January when we see ESPN plus go up and UFC fans are just looking at their mounting streaming bill. It looks like th this is just going to be baked in. Like they're just going to keep going higher and higher and higher with these. It was interesting. The last price increase, they kept the bundle at the same price. And I'm curious if they're going to see that bundle price increase as well. Do you, do you have Disney plus? Yes, I do. Is it uh, is it worth your your value? Is I only use it to watch um, the Marvel shows and the Star Wars shows, and um, that's enough for me to keep it around. Um, mm -hmm. I would say I do get value out of that. Wu Tang um, is also great because we get Hulu uh, with our Disney Plus here in Canada, so I've been watching that as well. Um, I, I I would say yeah I I think it's it's worth it like but something like this is not at all surprising that's the game of every streamer you know g g get them uh, paying a, a low cost just to get the numbers up and then once they're in the system increase the prices that's just you know it completely I think understandable um, they just have to make sure that they have you know a, a good Marvel show coming out every few months in order to justify their their pricing. Well, Disney Plus, uh, it fell to 157.8 million subscribers. So put that into context that we're talking about Peacock is at 22 million paid subscribers and Disney Plus 157.8. Um, so domestic subs only dropped 300,000, though. Their average revenue per user, which is a, a major statistic, that grew 20% uh, domestically. ESPN Plus picked up 400,000 subs. And this all comes as Disney has just gone through two rounds of layoffs, affecting 4,000 jobs and noting $152 million in severance packages this past quarter. And another round of cuts is coming this summer, which is to me, like the worst is that you're not just going through these cuts, but you're telling people we're going through another round this summer. So mm. that's just got to be awful. Uh, in total, they expect to like affect 7,000 jobs. So you have at, at the same point, you're drastically cutting a lot of your uh, a decent amount of your workforce when you're talking about uh, 7,000 people at the same time to maintain these levels like there's going to be still gigantic spending when it comes to programming and when you have all of these sports rights that are coming up like that is where so much of your revenue is going to go towards but uh, bob Iger did note that when it comes to espn that 
ESPN will move to streaming when the timing is right and the pricing has been figured out. He added that all of these things are connected when he mentions ESPN, the cable bundle, and streaming profitability. And certain things need to be worked out before the company moves forward. So it's um, it's very much has moved from this theoretical of ESPN going to streaming and direct to consumer to just a matter of when. And that seems to be where no one quite knows like what is going to be that net that level that these cable homes fall to that they're going to make that gigantic move uh, that is going to be pretty seismic for the cable industry if an ESPN moves direct to consumer because that's going to be the signal of the heavyweight that is moving to streaming and how how much impact that's going to have on like you would think the people that are holding on to cable are doing so for live sports and ESPN having such a huge percentage of that programming. And if you're moving to streaming, like what is that going to mean for the rest of the cable industry? Are are your parents comfortable like using streaming or do they rely on cable television? No, no, not at all. So, so they rely on cable TV. Yes. Yeah. My, mine are the same. Um, my parents don't necessarily watch sports, but I imagine a lot of people um, whose parents are maybe in a similar boat do watch sports. And how much? Um, how much? I had of that to teach my dad two weeks ago how to put his phone on silent. <laughs> he was getting complaints at work that his phone <laughs> rang during meetings. It's like this ring was you just let this ring. Of course, <laughs> they'd be annoyed at you. See, I've had to do the opposite where my my dad set his phone on silent and had no idea how to turn the volume back on. So so I all, all I'm saying is I, I feel like it might be a while before we move to a streaming exclusive uh, industry. But, um, you know, it depends how, how big of a slice of the pie the, those people make. It's you know, funny, we, we, when we first got the Internet, this is like late 90s. OK. Yeah. And my dad tried to he set up an email for himself. And so he's trying to use the email. So he was just talking to the screen, thinking it would pick up. And <laughs> in 1999, I was like, this is ridiculous. And today, it's like, this is like going, like this technology exists now. Like yeah, this is, this is he's how about 25 years early, but you know, he's, he's sounds like he's a bit of a futurist, but you know, one day, he's John, not. you and I are, well, one day you and I are going to be in these positions and it's going to be our kids that are going to be, you know, deciding whether or not to cut the cord. Um, no, not not on us, but I mean on on our subscription services. <laughs> yes. You know. Well, there you have it. That is uh, the latest on on the Disney front. But just uh, very, you know, it's a ton of attention is going to be placed on on Disney and ESPN and how it uh, permeates to all this other uh, stuff that we talk about. Uh, final things here: um, Raw ratings from Monday did one million seven hundred eighty five thousand viewers, which was pretty much identical to the week before. They fell five percent in the demo at a point five one. So they started low in the first hour, but then saw a 7% gain to 1,905,000 viewers in the second hour, which was higher than anything for the draft last week, any of the three hours, uh, and then fell in the third hour, but was still their highest third hour since April 10th. And this was going against the Nixon heat that did uh, almost five or almost 4.6 million viewers. And the last hour went against the Warriors and Lakers that did seven and a half million viewers. The fact that they had as big a gain as they had in the second hour and that this third hour hardly got trounced by other third hour standards. I didn't look at this as just like 
maintaining. I, I thought like you had to be very happy with this number given what they were up against. Like this is significantly stronger NBA competition with the Warriors and Lakers in that third hour. And this was their this was their highest third hour in almost a month. So I, I looked at this raw number as um, very good and several of their demos grew throughout the show. So whether you want to attribute that to uh, this tournament that was uh, f- had a show long hook to it and driving people to that match at the end, coming off of a pay-per-view and the follow-up, whatever it was, um, this, this held up very well when I think like, had this been two years ago, what we were watching on raw, I think this show would have been terribly low in yeah. comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they had to put on a, a significant tournament, I would say, for what significant stakes, stakes attached to it in order to get there. And, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, to mitigate those losses, they managed to do a great job. Um, makes you perhaps wonder what they're giving up in order to achieve that. Like, is next week going to, you know, I, maybe they're not as concerned about next week. They just wanted to get through this one. But, you know, will this tournament and have enough momentum, you know, for the next two weeks? Um before we get to the night of champions um but sure i'm also really curious to see what dynamite does tonight going against similar competition tonight's dynamite is going to be very tough i would say if Mm -hmm. they're if they're like last week was their lowest viewed dynamite of the year and i would say if they're anywhere close to that like that's all you could hope for because but again we're we're seeing pay-per-view level shows here you know and and i have to like real what's your realistic expectation for how this dynamite would have done with this card um you see we we haven't seen dynamite doing like gigantic spikes even for shows that have been built up in, in a big big way but you would you would certainly hope that this would be number one it was very much presented as a pay-per-view main event mm-hmm. they built it up for more than a week it's a feud that is one of the biggest in AEW's history with two major stars and they built it up throughout the show tonight so i think you would have pretty lofty expectations of this being one of your better dynamites but just but against the lakers and well Warriors, that's you know that's the key i mean they were that's going to affect the west coast viewership oh, right because the game didn't start until 10 the game started at 10 so it's yeah. not going to affect those on the eastern time zone but on the west coast because this is a staggered feed that is going to affect like 30 percent of the country going against mm-hmm. that game however you also had like you had your normal um nixon heat game And you had this Donald Trump town hall, which Mm -hmm. I imagine is going to do giant numbers on CNN and say nothing of Canada that had a game game four tonight with the Leafs. So Mm -hmm. both countries, it was much heavier than usual. And they're not going to have this is not a typical week where you're going to have Donald Trump given a, a time slot for 90 minutes by a cable network. Right. So all that said, I, I think expectations have to be tempered for both of these shows, both Monday and Wednesday, you know, with really stacked cards. Um, but I, I don't know if we should be expecting record-breaking numbers for either. No, I certainly would not be at, at all. Um, last thing uh, is the NXT numbers, and this featured the start of the women's tournament, and you also had uh, Braun Breaker and Trick Williams in the main event, and they did two hundred and or sorry, six hundred one thousand viewers. It was two hundred twenty-two thousand in the eighteen to forty-nine demo. So this was their. Uh, second outside of spring breaking from two weeks ago this would have been their highest viewership since uh late march and highest demo since early march and they had significant uh increases in men 18 to 49 women 18 to 49 tied their highest number this year 
uh, in that particular demo, 18 to 34 was up and this was going against the NBA and the NHL as well. So this was, I don't know if, if, uh, the tournament helped because uh, on paper, this did not to me have the same level of intrigue as last week where you were coming off the draft and where all these different players were going to be going and follow up um, this week. It had the tournament and maybe that was something that assisted in, in the interest for the show. So that was NXT uh, a good number for them. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Now we move on to Dynamite, where they were at the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan on Wednesday night. Uh, we went over all of the counter-programming to, uh, that Dynamite had to contend with. So they came out of the gate with the double jeopardy match between Claudio Castagnoli and Ray Phoenix. And we start things off with dives by Phoenix and one gets caught into the military press position and Phoenix is dumped onto the guardrail and we've got Danielson and Yuta watching from the back. There's a double springboard into a Rana off the turnbuckle by Phoenix. And then Castagnoli presses Phoenix overhead, dropping him on the barricade. And we go through the break. They do mention Eddie Kingston undergoing hernia surgery. So he will uh, hopefully be back in, you know, several weeks time as he recovers from that there was this jumping spin kick by phoenix that the camera was just at this angle that it really did not connect well with claudio and tony siobhan tony Shavani's getting like the Corey graves just cannot ignore when something is off and has to mention that he's a oh it's, it was a glancing blow there and uh a rolling cutter follows that onto claudio and then the ricola bomb countered into the code red for a near fall claudio picks him up for the alpamere water slide for a two count. Maybe that'll be one of the drinks at the forbidden pour. Uh, and then the hammer anviled elbows fans are booing Claudio and then finishes him with the Ricola bomb in 14 minutes and 28 seconds, meaning that Claudio and whoever he chooses can challenge Penta and Phoenix for the ROH tag titles. So they had um, Yuta and Brian Danson watching in the back. So really teasing that it could be either of them. I feel like you just expect it, you know, with this like more common appearances of Heart of Ring. Well, that's the other question. Is this a Ring of Honor match or is this a Dynam AEW match? It's a good question. They didn't make it clear. I would say if it's Yuta, it'll probably be an ROH match. <laughs> and if it's Danielson, it won't be. Well, I, I think there are several things, you know, the first of which is I don't think they've had an ROH title defense like in quite some time on AEW telev television, have they? Like I'm trying to think when they might have. It feels like it's been a while. Correct me if I'm wrong, chat room. So, you know, if that's the case, then maybe could this represent Brian Danielson's first appearance on Ring of Honor, Honor uh, streaming on Honor Club? I don't know. I, maybe I, not. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't not. be putting like I would not be putting Danielson on Honor Club. Well, why not? Because I they've had be... they've had Kenny Omega wrestle dark plenty of times. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be doing that now either. I mean, it's just a different setup now. I mean, you've yeah. got these two shows now. I I would be – if Danielson's wrestling, why, why put it on the audience that's going to be the lowest of, of these options? 
there are a lot of whys I, I could ask, you know, with this whole Ring of Honor experiment. But I, I'm I'm likely to agree with you that it'll probably be Claudio and Yuta. If, if this tag now, okay, if they if they announce Claudio and Danielson challenging the Lucha Brothers, okay, that's a pretty attractive match. Is it enough? Yeah. Would you sign up for Honor Club for that one match? There's a more likely chance of me doing it for that than having Yuta on. And and at this point, how much does Tony care about, you know, making sure Honor Club is is a worthwhile a draw? John Cena, as always, thank you for coming through. He says the last time uh, Battle of the Belts was the last time ROH titles were defended with the tag titles. So, OK, uh, so yeah, it, it could take place on AEW television. Um, but I thought this was an awesome match. You know, Claudio, like all the BCC members, it's so good seeing him work heel because he's just is so dominant and completely relentless, especially when they're going up against these smaller high flyers. Uh, this was like a really athletic game of cat and mouse. If you know mice knew how to flip, and and if like cats knew how to European no. uppercut, mice <laughs> have terrible psychology. <laughs> Are you, I don't know about that. I think they're pretty damn smart. Okay, you ever tried to catch a mouse? Um, he looks great as a champion. Claudio does, especially now that he's a heel. Phoenix, you know, again, kind of in that spot where um, a lot of uh, luchadors find themselves in, where like you get on AEW TV more other than not as a way to showcase somebody else. But in this case, it's to build up to a tag team title defense, and you would expect that the Lucha Brothers would win that one unless they want to give the, the, the BCC tag team championships, which I don't know how much purpose that really serves. So building up to a big ROH-level TV match or, or, or streaming match, and uh, I felt this was as much like ROH integration as we've had in recent weeks, you know? I feel like they've significantly dialed back, and it continues to make you wonder how much inter- ROH integration there's going to be going forward now that Warner Brothers is maybe that much more invested in the AEW exclusive branding. It's it's a good question, like how much um, you see, because they certainly after final battle, like cooled off on it um, and stated as much that they were doing that. Renee is in the back and we see a man's legs walking in the back and we tilt up and there is the returning Miro and this mm-hmm. place went nuts for him. And he ignores Renee's question and walks into Tony Khan's office, but they're chanting for him. Big pop for Miro. And this was our man. He's been gone since that number one contenders tournament last year. Like when Moxley was gone, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I mean, again, John Cena will let us know <laughs> if we're wrong, but something he's been gone for a long time. Yeah. So. And that was it. There was no follow up beyond that. Well, there was a the fo- bit of a this was all the tease, the need for a bigger show. It was the idea of like we are just bursting at the seams with yeah. talent. So we can assume Miro Thunder Rosa went in the back and said, "Why haven't you booked me in a long time?" Yeah. So we're gonna come out with the uh, the mixed tag belts in Tony's closet. Uh, sure. Yeah. More titles. MJF does a tape promo about the pillars, and this would be a, a show long series of features on each, all four of them. And I like this. I thought that this was kind of dialing things back to now the focus is the match, trying to tell each of their stories. These were quick, but I, I like this contribution from the four of them on this show rather than uh, sort of where they had been going the last few weeks. And MJF compares the four pillars to the Beatles, where Sammy Guevara is Ringo, Jungle Boy is George Harrison. Darby is John Lennon, and he's Paul. And he lists off past victories of his, including Cody Rhodes and Danielson, said, I had the best dog collar match, complete with highlights of CM Punk, the best Iron Man match with Danielson, and I'm going to have the best four-way match. I'm a generational talent, the best wrestler in the world, and my reign of terror has just begun. Mm -hmm. Is he Paul? Um, Well, his justification is that he's the best and that he's the guy with the longest 
the the, the most longevity. Um, that remains to be seen. You know, um, I I I mean, they, they see they seem pretty loose like connections compared uh, a pretty loose analogy to you know another popular four four person group. But um, sure, you could really justify anything, really. Um, I like these a lot as well. It, it really was like a nice change, of course, from like the whole Sammy MJF sort of like shenanigans that we've had over previous weeks. This week, we're just getting back to focusing on these personalities and what makes all of them. Well, what makes this match important for all of them? We got a preview of John Moxley and Kenny Omega highlights of their past matches, the recent attacks on Don Callis and Kanosuke Takeshita and Excalibur stating that they will unleash a new level of violence tonight on dynamite, which was not hyperbole. Was it a new level? Have they, have they not achieved the level that we, we saw in some this ways? Is, this is a pretty high level for television. There have been pretty high levels for TV, but sure. Okay. FTR walk out and they want Mark Briscoe to come out, but instead they are met by Jarrett, Lethal, Dutt, and Singh. And Dutt says they have one job and that's to accept their challenge for double or nothing. And Dax says they will accept if you admit that you've been using Mark Briscoe to get to us. Dutt states that Briscoe is their friend and Mark comes out to a huge pop here in Detroit. And he's got a, he's got like a bottle of tequila with cups on top. And he says that, all of them have been having a hard time controlling their emotions when they're together. And he states that he has spoken with Tony Khan and at double or nothing, the tag title match will happen. And Mark Briscoe will be the special referee. And then to clear the air, he passes around cups and they're going to drink together. And here is Jeff Jarrett, who is uh, recovering. Ooh, right. Kicks the cup away that he is not going to touch this. Um, this was just either not thought out or it was thought out. And this was his way to get around this awkward. I'm, I'm sure they were like, come on, like before going out, I'm sure they discussed this. Well, it was, it didn't matter because the spot was Dutt taking a sip of this tequila and spitting it into FTR's eyes. Well, mainly Dax's eyes and he's blinded. And this happens Anytime you drink tequila, you pile drive the wrong guy. And Dax gives a pile driver to Mark Briscoe as the crowd chants, you fucked up at Dax. I mean, a total innocent mistake. I know. You got to watch out for those, you know, inadvertent pile drivers, really. Um, anytime bottle of tequila gets opened up. Yeah. I think the pile driver was a bit much, you know. Could have been a punch. Like, could have been a clothesline. Could have been a stiff chair shot. I mean... Something that was just a little bit more believably errant than like an errant I could have gone with a driver just for throwing wildly. Yeah, those damn errant pile drivers. But I mean kind of besides the point. What like, if they hit the big rig? That Blind. wouldn't have been as unbelievable, honestly. Uh, like a guy God. lifting somebody else and you're like, oh shit, I gotta take the like that wouldn't that even that would have been better, honestly. But I like the matchmaking here. You know, you're, you're coming off of um, the reception to last week's really well-received sketch. So I feel like there's a, a lot of positivity attached to this program right now. Um, I think Mark Briscoe is really well cast as this, you know, very lovable as hell, like guy caught in the middle. And it's good to see him get a prime role for the pay-per-view. So um, I think the match like should be pretty decent, you know, for a pay-per-view. Renee is backstage with Chris Jericho and... Renee notes that Adam Cole got the best of him last week and Jericho calls it an unprovoked attack while doing commentary and Adam Cole created an unsafe working environment. 
So he went out and got legal counsel and a court order. So Adam Cole is banned from the building. So at the mention of unsafe work environment, I think this crowd like pretty much caught on. You know, I think everyone. I mean, that was my immediate takeaway last week, not having not even seen the segment, and I think they're like they're just like dancing around it. And quite honestly, I think your question would be: Are you like you're obviously intentionally leading people towards this? But is this a sign of um, you know further going into this? Like you want your audience to be um, looking for this to be front and center with punk i mean i, w- I would absolutely say so I, I uh, the audience is already aware of you know the cm punk chris jericho thing just you know no, i'm not i just watch all right. access <laughs> i watch um, all access for my aw backstage news is that right okay yeah. um so I, I i think they're playing as much with you know audience uh what, what the audience currently knows is as maybe they are setting up punk's return uh we've had several people in the chat room also say that mjf uh, referencing CM Punk was the first time that Punk's name might have been mentioned in um, quite some time. Uh, by the way, Miro's last appearance was all out 2022. So thank you guys for that. Roderick Strong walks into the scene calling him delusional and says his friend Adam Cole is not a coward. But Strong, well, Cole might be barred from the building, but Strong is not. So he issues a challenge to Jericho for a Falls Count Anywhere match, unless you're too much of a coward. So Jericho agrees for next week at dynamite in austin and the crowd you can hear them boo this i mean to be fair i mean when does it it's happened it's actually happened recently but man it almost never happens where you get an impromptu match like this made on dynamite but nonetheless the crowd wanted to see this match which is a good thing that they were interested in this but Mm -hmm. they're not getting it in person i feel bad for detroit but i mean i i don't i'm not that disappointed myself so i I won't lose any sleep uh Roderick also got legal counsel and tells Jericho that, yes, Cole is banned next week from the building, but so is the JAS. And so he's kind of thwarted his plan. This was a, this was like a multi-page legal document that he got. Well, it just shows you it's serious, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I really need maybe at some point a, a documentary about how this justice system works in the AEW world, you know. Jericho hadn't even accepted the match yet, and somehow Strong was able to seek legal counsel to get this you know order put in place what's going on here did they have to like set a court date or something or like what's what's going on he's been busy this week i mean between getting adam cole banned from the building um is he going yeah jericho i mean he's gonna get the security from the mandalay bay banned from the building as well well who knows i mean he deleted the tweet so something must have happened yeah he's got to go back to las vegas in a few weeks Probably won't be staying in the Mandalay Bay. Maybe not. Renee is outside of Tony Khan's office and trying to get an update when Thunder Rosa walks in and goes into Tony Khan's office as well. So, you know, kind of like announcing imminent returns to the both of them, Miro and Thunder Rosa on this Saturday show. The next video was from Sammy Guevara, the black sheep, as he calls himself, and wasn't supposed to be here in AEW, but was brought in by Jericho. And Jericho is part of this. I imagine this is all just... uh footage from the countdown special like that's what mm. it seemed like here with the different right. videos and interviews from because it was guys. so noticeably different in tone you know from the sammy that we've seen this was pretty much all babyface sammy this is all access sammy you know talk like talking about um being an ins- inspiration to, to children and not at all like in a smarmy way you know so 
it, I I did go back and as as I joke about all access, I did go back and watch last week's episode. And dude, Sammy was the star of last week's show. They went back to like where he started wrestling, and his mom is there. His mom is awesome. She is this guy's biggest fan. And he's talking like he's doing the reality show, looking into the camera, giving this heartfelt um, speech. And he's like crying and his mom walks into the scene to hug him. And it was like it, 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 this has been a good series in terms of humanizing Sammy Guevara and maybe not the guy you would see as a baby face, like much better as a heel. But he's come off really well in this series. I just don't know if it's having the resonance with people Um I just don't hear a whole lot of people talking about all access, but I thought he was very good on last week's show. Cool. Thanks. Then we had Tony Khan stating that tonight is one of the strongest dynamite cards ever. And the stars are lined up backstage wanting to compete. And we have room to produce more content each week. So pay attention to TNT next week and then tune into dynamite. One of the most important announcements ever in the history of AEW. Mm-hmm. So this was a an pre-announcement of the actual huge announcement to come next week. I would have loved if they had promoted this as <laughs> Tony announcement a, of an announcement by Tony Khan tonight yeah. on the on the show. But uh, yeah. this this will be uh, it, like if it's just collision, if it's larger than that, like th- this is a huge deal yeah. for the company. It's good. It, they they they're doing a good job building hype for this. You know, um, really like I think the media and and, and the audience has has mostly done it for themselves. But I think as usual with like dynamite they're taking what they sense the audience already knows and i think they're playing with it so at this point everybody pretty much knows the verbiage he used tonight pretty much spelled it out exactly what the announcement will be again how much more on top of it will he announce but in either case it's the fact that they're doing the week out gives everybody a chance to just think about it and talk about it for the next seven days and i think that's and how they announce it at the upfronts like is this going to be something Mm -hmm. like well you would think that AEW will send some people to the upfronts. Like, how big of an involvement will AEW have at the upfronts? Like, that's that's a big deal too. Like, how they are uh, presented. I mean, if they're announcing Collision, so beyond Collision, maybe something involving All In, um, potentially on on Max or or, or anything of that sort. You know, Ma- so Max but- is going to be the major focus of the upfronts next yeah. week. Like so that it's- is that is relaunching in like this month so that's that's obviously going to be a very big focus at the upfronts so it's not strictly a cm punk focused announcement so maybe you don't necessarily want him there but if you think collision is going to be a big enough thing and if cm punk is going to be the you know the 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 face of that show would you not want punk there and if you're AEW, do you want your first cm punk appearance to be at these upfronts or it could be uh, you just have a, a tight shot of a television contract and a mysterious hand signs it picks it up and then we look up and it's kyle fletcher uh could be that too okay ozzy 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 orange cassidy and daniel garcia for the aew international championship i thought this match was great cassidy is like this guy is like going through the stations of the cross of aew okay and he is like at his (laughs) he's got no hand left his back is destroyed and tony Khan keeps booking this guy in matches every week he wants to kill this guy and daniel garcia was this week's assassin so garcia goes after the previously injured hand and he's working on it garcia starts doing his dance for the crowd and taz calls it that awful uncomfortable dance And Garcia dumps him onto the edge of the apron, uses a bow and arrow, and then he does his dance, giving the audience the middle finger. 
So they continue to fight. Dragon screw by Garcia. And Orange is trying to fight back with forearms, not using the hand. And then Garcia places Cassidy's hands into his own pockets and then gets lift, it gets lifted into the beach break. And Garcia kicks out. And Excalibur notes that the hands were in Orange Cassidy's pockets. And therefore, he couldn't get the full effect of the beach break by grabbing onto Garcia to hit the beach break. So it wasn't the hmm. full beach break. It was only like the beach bend. It's a good technique by Taz. That was it. Uh, the te- technique by Excalibur on this oh, one. Oh, sorry. Yes. Garcia then starts delivering the weak kicks and then takes the wrist and blasts Cassidy in the face, hits a pile driver for a two count. And then Orange Cassidy winds up with this big right hand. And the camera was at the side where this just looked like the the this this missed by a mile, as you could just see the punch delivered. It was just a bad angle. But nonetheless, they continue and Maybe he had uh, tequila in his eyes. Maybe there was tequila on the mat and he had spent so much time selling that he just Mm -hmm. absorbed the tequila because this did look like a drunken punch. The dragon tamer is applied and Garcia wrenches back, moves to the triangle and then to the label lock while stomping the bad hand. And they go through these series of reversals uh, into a cradle. And then Cassidy ties up the arms, pinning Daniel Garcia at 13 minutes and 33 seconds. I I missed uh, over it, but th- there was one sequence when there was the counter into the, the Sun Dog that millionaire. just yeah. totally got messed mm-hmm. up. A, a rarity. Like I but nonetheless, um I thought this match was great though. I, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot with the the work on the hand, Cassidy selling, and I thought that Daniel Garcia the, to get 13 minutes on dynamite, I thought he had a great performance. Yeah. I, you know, we, we do have to mention like blown spots here and there because they're significant parts of the match. But most of the time, they don't really affect my overall enjoyment, especially if the match is as strong as it was, you know, throughout its duration like this was. There were real moments by the end of this match here where I really could have bought Cassidy dropping the title. Like because oh, the they little bell lock and stomping the hand like they could have done it at this point. I think that's what you're building towards is that it's not yeah. going to be, I think, an obvious person that beats him. It's going to be the accumulation of damage. Yeah. And who's going to be the one to be in the ring when this guy finally just crumbles? Totally. They've done such a great job of conveying Cassidy's mounting injuries. And in a match like this with Garcia being the type of wrestler that he is, I mean, being a submission based wrestler is almost the exact kryptonite for somebody who's currently in Orange Cassidy state. And so there were definitely moments throughout the end of this match where I really felt like they could have done the title change and it would have been completely justified. But it tells you that like, hey, we're now at a stage of this Cassidy international title run where every match could potentially be his last match. And I think you could truly believe that. I mean, as long as the the, the, the work is strong enough, as long as it's, you know, uh, you know, it, it, the, the match is strong enough, but Part of me feels like they might still be saving this for a big setting, maybe on a pay-per-view, maybe with the right feud, right guy for for them to finally take the title off of Cassidy. But I I think he's just been amazing, really. Like you have to put him in the running for certainly top AEW wrestler of the year. I don't know if he's had maybe the sort of impact uh, to be considered wrestler of the year, but in terms of consistency, in terms of the frequency of, of his, of his defenses, like he really has been outstanding. Yeah, I think come the end of the year when you sort of like catalog all these television matches and look at the level of them, 
I think it's going to be pretty impressive if he keeps this up, at least through the first half of the year. This has been a stellar run for him and has established a title that no one was giving any time to when it was first introduced. And it's, you know, it has it's become like the Orange Cassidy uh, title. It puts it above the TNT. I would think so. I think everyone looks at this as like, um, you know, a, a prestigious title now, and it will mean something when he loses this title. And given the way he is uh, booked, I assume he'll be defending this title on both shows every week. And put him on ROH as well. Yeah, Rampage. just do him Why all. Not? The Outcasts note that Hikaru Shida is back in Japan, but she will be here next week. And they have issued a trios challenge to Britt Baker, Hayter, and Shida. So that is going to happen next week in Austin, Texas. Hmm. So it's a lot uh, of flying back and forth. It's a lot of flying. Yeah. She was here last week and then she fly, flies to Japan and then flies back. I guess if you're not booked on this show, are you really going to stay two weeks to get to the next show? It's just a long commute. That's all. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Christian Cage comes out. What a segment this was with Luchasaurus. And uh, this dude is a, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, like Dominic Mysterio level uh, heel. Tonight he was. Christian absolutely. Cage, man, he was hated in Detroit. And he notes that Wardlow and Arn Anderson are not here tonight. And he is the number one contender for the TNT title. Why? Because I'm Christian Cage. And this place, they don't want to let him speak. But Christian just, he doesn't care. He's got his message to deliver and asks why all these wrestlers have daddy issues in AEW, bringing up Jack Perry, but now Wardlow as well, mentioning, you know, the, the speech that he gave about his father and says that um, Wardlow also had a father, but I'm not going to speak about him because he wasn't famous and I'm not going to waste my breath. But now he's found a father figure in Arn Anderson. And then he says, and it turns out that Arn was looking for a new son himself. And dude, I thought that this was going to be the most tasteless promo ever. For those that forget, Arn Anderson's son recently died. His other son, yes. His other son. Mm -hmm. Where this went, though, was referring to Brock Anderson. But the pause here, I mean, I was just very thankful they did not go that route. I think that would have been so horrible. And that's been the Christian Cage character, too. True. Yeah, right. So you can't even say, like, you know, they wouldn't have gone there because they have. I mean, that was the Jack Perry, like, program was using a real death. I'm just Mm. I'm so glad they did not go that way. I would have been extremely turned off if they had done that. Mm. But mentions Brock Anderson being under contract uh, and essentially alluding to the fact or at least insinuating that Brock was tossed to the side once Arn Anderson saw Wardlow and got onto the bandwagon. And he runs down Arn being Ric Flair's lapdog, that Arn never won the world championship. Unlike him, Arn's not as smart as me. And what will Wardlow do when he realizes that, well, his days as TNT champion are over. And this is all, as this crowd is obliterating him with booze. And he just ends it. And Detroit, kiss my ass. I mean, Christian was tremendous in this segment. Um, And I mean, a ton of heat, just tons of heat. 
something struck a nerve with with Detroit with his appearance today. I don't even think he said that much. He just says like, "What Detroit is like the the most terrible city in the country or something." Um, but they gave him a nuclear reaction tonight, and I thought Christian responded with a really strong promo. You know, fantastic lines, breaking arm down, uh, questioning his his legendary status, questioning his role as as parent to Brock Anderson. So this felt like the start of the actual war we were looking for between Christian and Arn Anderson. So let's see what Arn Anderson responds with next week. You need to have the response next week, I, w- mm-hmm. I would think. Oh, yeah. Then it was a Darby Allen feature, and he is in this world to wrestle. And we go to his home with his dad, Daddy Allen, and the skate park that he has built. And we see him uh, jumping dirt bikes, doing stunts, and how these stunts. Like John Lennon. John Lennon used to do. John Lennon all the time was doing this stuff yeah. uh, with his with his passengers and these stunts break down mental barriers in his head to prove to others he can do what they doubt he can. And we get comments from Sting again, probably from the countdown, and he knows exactly where he's going and how he's going to get there. And he's saying this line as he was like driving like uh, like uh, a truck like up in the air to land uh, and he's going to double or nothing. So. This was a this was a very authentic Darby Allen feature. They all felt pretty authentic to each. Person. I liked how they were all different yeah. too. Like you had mm-hmm. like different tones, different settings, and that's the key to me is like you're building like four individual paths towards yeah. this one match. Totally. Yep. Anna J. Julia Hart, no holds barred match. We had Anna J. Jump uh, Julia Hart on the way to the ring, and then they're fighting ringside into the timekeeper's table. And of course, kendo sticks are involved. Julia Hart brings out the chairs, but then Jay stops her and hits a gory special to Julia on top of these chairs. And she just got drilled onto these chairs. Then Jay uses a trash can, places it over Julia's head and hits a running spinning heel kick. And then we have chairs set up inside of the ring. And the big spot is Julia Hart delivering a superplex that either fortunately or unfortunately came up short onto these chairs and she applies her rings of Saturn submission and beats Julia or beats Anna J as Julia Hart gets the win and has nailed the lip syncing to her theme song. Hey, you want somebody to be really into their theme song, don't you? Um, so this got the, like, I want to say like what nine Oh five slot, something like that. But, seemed like a, a bit of a different time than usual for the women's match. And I, I don't know what time it was in relation to some of the competition that was out there, but I'm also very curious to see, to see how this one held up in, in the ratings. Cause the rampage match did pretty well um, a month or so ago. So uh, very curious to see the result. I thought the, the match was, was good. These two were working hard and they continued to show good chemistry with one another. Uh, both of them are showing significant improvement and comfort in the ring. They are not, I would say at title contention level where like, you know, uh, uh, Tony Storm uh, is, but a TBS level. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if the belt wasn't currently, you know, a part of this Jade undefeated streak, I I think that should be the function of a TBS championship. You know, your secondary level to get somebody like an Anna Jay or or even a Julia Hart up to that next level. So um, I like the match. Could you see the TBS champion being on TNT and the TNT champion being on TBS? Of course. Are you kidding me? It's, a, it's about as confusing of a situation as the Raw and SmackDown championships, isn't it? Then AEW answered the prayers of waiting. 
they gave us a review of the open house rules. <laughs> Clearly, we were not the only people confused. Okay? No, Buddy Matthews actually like clarified it online, and then we got this description. So, and you are right. Like the dealer's choice is, it's actually like the most significant of the four because it's the one that the challengers get to make one rule on top of uh, 20, 20 uh, count out or a, a count of 20 mm. e, DQ is enforced and no rope breaks. Correct. Yeah. So the dealer's choice, the challengers get to pick. So Renee is with Bandito and the best friends. And Trent says tonight is the big one. They're going to win. And she explains the dealer's choice and they had no idea about this. So Trent decides that their stipulation is that all witches are barred from ringside mentioning the scary witch julia hart that they just saw out there just their way of of um saying uh, uh julia hart's band so yeah um i guess last week what uh they, they just somehow blended the dq and the dealer's choice within the same line and that seemed to trip people up it is sort of like um it was not explained clearly about the dealer's choice <laughs> it's sort of like a weird um Okay, I get the 20 count. I think that's fair. I think no rope break is also fair. It's weird to hear, like, what are effectively heels say DQ is enforced, especially, like, heels that are as aggressive and, like, violent as, like, the House of Black, you know? Like, oh, they're so they, they're so tough, they, they don't want any rope breaks. But they want DQs? That part kind of threw me off. But anyway, it's fine. We get it. No, you, you got to have some barriers. You got to have some rules. Right. It's just a, an unjust society. So the House of Black against Bandito and Best Friends. And now for these House of Black open house rules matches, they have darkened the arena. What do you think I, about this? I thought it looked awesome. I mean, it's basically like kind of the spotlight they give. Like anytime there's like a, you know, title match announcement. Um, it's perfect. Like, I think it adds like further sort of like uniqueness to these trios matches. And it completely works for the House of Black's gimmick. It's uh you didn't it, like it? I I didn't have like a strong opinion either way. I would I I would argue that it's it's something distinct. They're trying to make this uh different from mm-hmm. the others. I'm also watching this and it feels like I'm watching like old foot like when they'd have a house show footage. And it's like you you've got like 8,000 people here and you you can't even tell who's there. But it's but it's you're trying to separate match. this from everything else. Yeah, if the whole show was like this, it wouldn't be great. But I, for one specific match in the body of the show, I think it's great. It's not red, so I'm not going to complain. Sure, yes. The red light, I wouldn't have the patience mm-hmm. for. So there's a knee bar to Bandito. And this is the first time we get a, a uh, he gets to the rope and he cannot get the rope break. So he's got to basically pull himself to the floor to break free. Uh, Trent lands his tornado DDT on Buddy Matthews and then a double stomp out of the corner. Bandito gets a big pop for the tag and hits a huge tornillo and then a crucifix bomb onto Brody King, followed by a topic gun hero onto Black and King, and then goes for a springboard and is drilled by a flying knee from Matthews. And after Taylor hits Soul Food, he is taken and hit with Dante's Inferno as Brody King pins Taylor in eight minutes and 13 seconds. I thought this ended up being a, a good showcase of these House of Black rules and, and this House of Black, you know, really uh, trios. You know, I, I, in terms of presentation and, and mystique, they might be like the coolest looking group in pro wrestling. Um, and I think they continue to do a great job of making the group feel special, of making the trios feel special um, and distinct from the tag team championships. 
Orange Cassidy is then shown being laid out backstage. He had been watching the match and we tilt up and there is the assailant, Kyle Fletcher, who grabs mm. the international title and uh, there was an audible pin that hit the floor in section 105 when this reveal was made. I'm a big fan of Kyle Fletcher, but to expect this to generate a pop was well, maybe maybe it is not crazy to think that your AEW audience would react to this, but they did not. I don't even know if it was expected to really generate that, that much of a pop. I mean, yeah, it was like a reveal, right? Like they did yeah. the exact same thing with Miro. And granted, it's not the same thing. But when you do something right. like that, that's the kind of reveal that people want to see. And it's right. Kyle Fletcher. So what did they announce this for? Uh, Dynamite? Oh, so the, the they, Kyle they Fletcher is going to wrestle on Rampage. Which wrestling you would... Action Andretti and... Obviously, this will be a match that will happen yeah. at some point. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, it's it's another, you know, person for Orange Cassidy. Can Kyle Fletcher convince us that he might have a chance of winning this championship? No. <laughs> well, wait till you see the match. Damn. Then Jack Perry is showing uh, where he explains training at the age of nine in his backyard, living out his dream and we get clips from Christian cage here, who is sort of, we've kind of got like the mentors for Mm. uh, the challengers that we heard from, like with Jericho, with Guevara, with sting and Darby. And for Jack Perry, it is Christian cage that they're using for this role. And he states that Jack Perry had the the most talent of the four pillars. And I stand by that. And he says he can win the title if he gets his head out of his ass. So this was cage, like um, still staying in his character, but putting over Jack Perry. I, I like this a lot. It shows you that, you know, as much as these two have gone through together, um, he he's not willing to lie about how talented he thinks this guy is. So if you buried me, though, in a casket, I don't care how talented you are. I would never pick you to win a four-way match. Right. Um, well, I, I won't bury you. Um, okay. Like That's like worry. you tried to kill me. Well, he's alive. That's true. You, if he failed at it, I mean, yeah. maybe he feels bad about the failure. So he says, this is a good line. He's like, I didn't grow up <laughs> dreaming about singing show tunes on TV as they've got the B-roll of MJF. And I don't need to take shortcuts. And to varying degrees, I don't like any of these guys. But all of us are hungry. And this is going to be spectacular. I thought this was so much better than some of Jack Perry's other promos that have been tough like inside of the ring but this to me was one of his better uh promos and granted it was edited but that's that's the magic of editing is put the best message forward yeah some some of it was editing but i i think like in a setting where he's not necessarily required to play professional wrestler where he he doesn't have to like you know like just talk like 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 um i don't know like a tough guy um, I think he sounds great. He sounded yeah. really natural here, and, and he sounds really good just speaking as himself on camera. Here is the lineup. Rampage, Saturday night at 10 Eastern, has the acclaimed Billy Gunn against the Butcher, Blade, and Kip Sabian. Kyle Fletcher against Action Andretti. <laughs> Tony Storm. Kyle versus- Fletcher and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, clearly, you know, two two things that John Pollock um, <laughs> has, has, has opinions on. Well, maybe you could... Uh... You get uh, Dubas and, and Fletcher together, the, the Kyles. Tony Storm against Detroit's own Allison Kay. 
Swerve Strickland and Brian Cage against John Silver and Alex Reynolds, and the guns will speak. So if you don't have plans Saturday night at 10, do you have plans now? I do have plans. <laughs> this yeah. is a Rampage lineup. Yeah. Yeah, clearly, like, I don't think they're trying to rehab the image of Rampage at all at this point. It's, you know, as the comparison has been made to Sunday Night Heat. And it's there if you want to watch that much more wrestling after SmackDown. And some will, yes. But it'll be a smaller number than now. And then Dynamite next week in Austin has the Falls Count Anywhere match. Jericho against Roderick Strong. Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, and Hikaru Shida against the Outcast. And Ricky Starks versus Jay White, which we had a a video with promos from each guy. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, what do they have in store for Jay White or Ricky Starks at the pay-per-view if they're doing this on Dynamite? I don't know if it guarantees them a, like, you could do a tag, maybe, something on that Hmm. show. I'm I'm curious to see like what the match length is because I thought Revolution was so much better with less matches, but that was by necessity with an Iron Man match on it, and mm-hmm. with all this talent brimming, uh, I I don't see Tony cutting down the uh, the match number because there's a lot of programs in play that you can see this being a, a lengthy like match number. Moxley and Omega steel cage match before the match begins. They fight on the ramp and Claudio and Yuta get involved, which prompt the young bucks to come out to a huge pop and super kick Claudio and Yuta. And Danielson is on commentary throughout this whole thing. He doesn't get involved physically. And Claudio then returns to uh, attack and Matt is throwing off the stage. And this is after Yuta had been tossed. And then Nick Jackson leaps off the stage onto the Blackpool Combat Club members, and the bell finally rings with the uh, the seconds taken to the back, and we get right into things with Moxley and Omega, and the best supporting barbed wire chair that was utilized to its fullest value oh, on yeah. Wednesday night. This barbed wire chair took uh, who knows how many like chunks of their backs uh, with them. So... Early on, uh, Omega like throws this chair at Moxley and hurts his hand on it and then blasts Moxley in the back with the barbed wire chair. He's grinding it on the back, double foot stomp to the back. And do they do a close up of John Moxley? And it looks like some like rat or some some cat. Att- <laughs> I was going with a rat, but uh, was, uh, like some. <laughs> Some wild cat just attacked John Moxley's back. That's what I was going for. What here. kind of yeah, what kind of mice bad? What kind of mice do you have in your house that that can do damage like that? Hey, dude, there there's some nasty rats out there. Will make you bleed like that? <laughs> you don't know. Okay. So he's Moxley. If if you were guessing, it was about two minutes and eighteen seconds that he uh, he was bleeding, but not just from the forehead. He had his back was bleeding too. So multiple wounds. Yeah, although this week I think I think we could safely say he did not have the bl- blade job of the week. Uh, you know what? Not even blade job. Um, uh, color of the week, I should say. No, no, he did. Although although Brock was last week, really. Uh, kind of, yeah. So Moxley gets control of the barbed wire chair. He starts using it, and dude, John Moxley lifts up Omega for a superplex and. When I say Kenny Omega took all of this on his back on this barbed wire chair, I mean all of it. There was no rolling to the side. There was no coming up short. He hit this thing as dead on as you could from the largest height that he could manage, save for them coming off the top of the cage. This was just brutal. 
maybe there's a level of cushioning in this barbed wire chair, you know, that, that helped uh, make it feel nice and comfy like a pillow. Then during the picture in picture, Moxley unties the turnbuckle. And as we come back, the guy is fish hooking Omega with the turnbuckle. Well, let me just say like this, this turnbuckle was not an easy feat for Moxley to, you know, unscrew. Cause you, you could see it all on a, a, a W plus of course, but he like had to struggle to get this thing done. And by the end of it, a lesser man certainly would have been already blown up just un- undoing this thing. Um, but it was also important to note that AEW uses steel cables for the ropes and not just ropes like the WWE does. And so that probably made the tension that much more uh, difficult to undo and made some of these spots, I'm sure, that much more difficult to pull off because I'm sure it added weight to it. You're trying to choke and bend these steel cables. So it, it, it may be a reminder that, hey, like the rings are different from AEW and WWE. Well, he manages to get this turnbuckle into Omega's mouth, and they cut to Danielson smiling. He is loving this. I just went to the dentist today, and um, my teeth were hurting just watching that. Well, then he chokes Omega with the cable, and Omega fights him off but gets drilled with a knee. So then Moxley brings out a bag, but it's not thumbtacks. He's got broken glass that he empties. Which is a reference to one of their prior matches, I believe. The, uh, The full gear match, right? Yeah. And Moxley is lifted up on the shoulders, but then uh, Moxley slides to the back for a choke and Omega breaks it by dropping back, putting Moxley onto the glass. But Moxley returns with a choke moments later and he's still on the glass. So Omega leans back for the pin. Moxley has to give up on it. And then he takes a V trigger, which puts Moxley through the cage. It breaks as Kenny Omega like flips over the rope and to the floor. I'm sure this was the idea that Paul White and Steve Austin had in 99. Uh, um, I don't know if they could have pulled it off. Yeah. Actually, Kenny got his foot trapped between the cage and the apron, which they had the, really they scary. Had Dr. Sampson come over and check on the knee. And it, it yeah. was a very like unprepared fall. Like it just looked very awkward the way he came down with yeah. the, with the, with the knee buckling. And obviously he finished the match, but man, like, Imagine losing Kenny right now as you're about to go into like this season of like huge events. He's the guy on the center of this all in poster, man. Like, it, again, makes you kind of assess these sort of risks in, in, with guys like having matches like this on TV. But God, I hope he's okay. Danielson proclaims that Moxley is the toughest man alive. And then as the cage has been opened, Moxley goes ringside and gets the screwdriver. And he enters the ring, but then Don Callis runs in and rips the screwdriver away from Moxley. And this allows Omega to get to his feet and land a ripcord knee. He hoists up John Moxley and goes for the one winged angel, hits it. But then as the referee is counting, Callis nails Kenny Omega with the screwdriver. And Omega is down. He is bloody from the screwdriver and Moxley pins him in 14 minutes and 48 seconds and and Danielson laughs as if like he expected it yeah they bled together well Kenny technically bled with them too and he's not gonna join black yeah maybe he's gonna uh, join this was like Callus's like a uh, skull was was seen so true this was, you're right. a different a different level okay they, yeah and, and really that's all it was a meeting of the minds yeah it's all the justification they need I suppose a hell of a match you know um 
living up to the standard that these two have set. And I definitely like we all kind of look back at the exploding cage match as like a bit of a sort of like an embarrassing low point for AEW. But let's remember how good the rest of that much match was before that power was, was supposed to go off. I mean, these two have always had tremendous chemistry doing this sort of match. This match was no different. Um, Incredibly like a spectacle, really. Um especially like getting this on free television with like seeing the ropes just uh, and the cage exploding basically well you had a bit of a cage explosion i guess in the in the form of um the 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 wall collapsing but visually it looked really impressive and i'm sure maybe that was part of the thinking booking a match like this for all the channel surfers that might be you know uh scrubbing through the the various games but tremendous use of the, of the cage throughout tremendous use of the ring ropes just created this like really chaotic feeling throughout and it ended with a very satisfying significant storyline turn yeah and you have the the throwback or the callback to winter is coming which was their second match and that was the night like Kenny and Callus like align together to screw Omega and win the title together. And you have this match where this is the, the two, uh, the, the breakup and, mm-hmm. and following that with, uh, do we get Kenny Omega versus Don Callis? What's Don? When was Don Callis's last match? Um, he, he pinned Kenny Omega at a Winnipeg indie show. I'm guessing no. No. But I mean, could he tag, you know, could he play like, you know, a Sanjay Dutt level type of like guy who might just tag into a spot and then tag out? I, yeah, certainly. Yeah, this was a, I mean, for, for what it was like, this was a very violent, but at, in terms of like a, a violent spectacle, this was everything it was advertised to be with a big angle at the end that I think people could, you, you could certainly, the way that the commentary was constantly bringing up too as well. Like Don Callis considers Kenny Omega family. Like they were, they were certainly like setting the table for it throughout the match. I thought they did a very good job uh, calling the match as well. So uh, I thought of a really strong episode of dynamite. I did too. Yeah. And uh, when you set out with a card like this, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for, you know, these, these wrestlers to not deliver. This is a very strongly booked and a very strongly delivered and a strongly executed edition of dynamite. So I hope for, uh, you know, um, uh, NBA um, playoff competition every week. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If we year long playoffs. Sure. Yeah. Just every game, every week, every Wednesday should be the Lakers versus the Warriors. All right. Well, let's go on over to, uh, super chats and feedback. If you want to get your thoughts in on tonight's episode of Dynamite, we're going to start off. We're going to start off here with a super chat from Matt Hahn, who sends five dollars. Thank you for the support, Matt. He says, "Is Danielson cleared? I've noticed he hasn't gotten physical in weeks. Also, I can't wait for these callous promos." I mean, that was the thinking when he made his return, but then he did get involved in that that segment. Remember where he was? He was sitting in the corner, but then he did get involved physically in that same segment. Yeah. Now, did he take bumps? Like, I mean, we're probably going to have to, you know, do a little bit of digging. Um, But I, if it's a layoff, maybe they're just being conservative and, you know, saving him for a a real match because I imagine he's going to be wrestling. Last time he had a real match, though, was the Iron Man match. So, hmm. Well, let's go to Bruce Lord who writes, after a ho-hum month or two, this was a roaring return to the type of dynamite we all love. 
One night of Four Pillars pre-tapes did more for that program than all of the perfunctory in-ring promos thus far. Cassidy's ring continues to be fantastic, and the main event felt like a classic from the territory days, with a whole slew of returns and angles. What was yesterday a promotion with only one truly hot program feels reinvigorated. Credit also due to the crowd, who seemed fully appreciative of the level of show they were getting. Between All In, the rumored new TV deal, and... Uh, and quote tweeting Bix, Tony obviously has a ton on his plate, but in terms of Forbidden Door, do you anticipate anything being formally announced before Double or Nothing, or would it be best to focus solely on a card, which still seems a bit fuzzy with less than three weeks to go? Do we anticipate anything announced for Forbidden Door before Double or Nothing? I don't I'll, think I'll, so. I'll say no. Yeah. Let's I don't see. know why. It's sold out. Like, why do you need to announce it in advance? Yeah, I mean, they might do something with, uh, like, you know, these sort of Kyle Fletchers, like, you know, coming in and maybe potentially building to some sort of... Um, well, you know, you're, you, they've all but said Aussie Open and FTR is the direction for Forbidden Door. I think people can figure, like, st- stuff that's out. But announcing that before the May paper... They haven't I, done that on Dynamite, though. Like They haven't They haven't really kind of sold those rivalries on Dynamite. Um but yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect any sort of formal match announcements until afterwards. Let's go to S- Steve Grows Weed, who says ten out of ten show tonight. Great main event. Don Callis got a little awkward at the end. He didn't really know what to do with himself. Mm. Uh, the cage match had me cringe in all kinds. Kenny stomping the barbed wire on Moxley looked horrible. The chair slid across his back. I thought he was going to be in a way worse shape. I'm looking forward to Forbidden Poor. Got my ticket for that before getting tickets to the AEW shows yet. Can't wait to see the polls, postmarks in full force. I love that we'll be celebrating fake sports at a place called Real Sports. Yes, very nice. We go to Jesse from the six. The Leafs avoid a sweep and they managed to finish the game just... Yeah, it, it ended right as the cage match was beginning. Uh, but then Don Callis had to ruin everything with some unnecessary Canadian on Canadian violence. He better have a good explanation. Otherwise, we're entering WCW NWO 1998 territory. Glad that Rusev is finally back. I hope he'll be in a significant program. Do you think Double or Nothing will do a good buy rate? Personally, I think it would be a very good show. But I question if a four-way and an eight-man tag as your two major matches are really going to do numbers. I think if it's promoted as anarchy in the arena, then I, it's not just a eight man tag. I mean, it's it's you know one of their most sig- like significant attention drawing pay per view level match types. So I think that becomes automatically your biggest hook. Um, and then beyond that, I think um, it's it's a bit of a risk, you know, doing this four way with the pillars who um, for the most part are like untested as pay per view headliners, but it's an, also an investment, in my opinion, you know, in your future by giving them this sort of spotlight. So I think it's worthwhile doing, but you need something big like an anarchy in the arena to kind of like, you know, create that balance. Beyond that, what are your big hooks, would you say, uh, for this show? I look at those as the, t- the, as the two, unless you have something else uh, that you can, uh, uh, something up your sleeve that you can play that we are not thinking about. Who's un- Who's unaccounted for right now? Like um, for double or nothing. We got Starks and uh, Jericho and Cole. Yep. You've got um, probably whatever the women's program is going to be for the title with, with Jamie Hayter. If it's mm. someone with, like, they're obviously not doing the trios at the, at the pay-per-view. You've got FTR against Lethal and Jarrett. Yeah. You mentioned Jericho and Cole. And what are some of the others? I mean, we're, if we're having trouble, like we're, I, I probably know staying on this show. 
Yeah, yeah. Because you have so many multi-man matches, maybe that might be it. You know, if it's if they're they're doing an anarchy in the arena, it's going pro- to probably take up significant time. The four-way might take up significant time. So on paper, yeah, maybe it might not look as attractive. But th- I think they're really going to be hinging on those two matches to you know do the bulk of the heavy lifting. And again, um, I think this elite like BCC program has been really well done. Can they take it up to that extra level? You know, in these last few weeks. Let's go to Kate, who says, Outstanding show tonight with almost nothing I didn't like. I strongly preferred the pre-tape promos from the Pillars to the in-ring ones, which I've seen kind of meandering. It feels like we have some momentum for the stories heading into Double or Nothing, which has been, which has really been eclipsed by All In recently. Mm-hmm. Having Miro and Rosa back is great news, although anything I've heard about her condition is that she's far from an in-ring return. Did a wrestler lie to me? We have time before Forbidden Door, but FTR versus Aussie Open seems like a lock already. Do you think that it will be for all three sets of belts? AEW, IWGP, New Japan Strong. If so, who do you think wins? I mean, they. I think you you could certainly, if you're going to do the match, I think that's that's part of the the attraction is that you could put the belts on, and you could get, you could go either way. You could certainly go with FTR to to win all all the tag titles. Go back to that that story although we were, we were kind of there at, at this point with, with them yeah um i i yeah and for that reason i don't know if you want to re- redo it um because they have to lose the belt and you know um take more losses uh, but uh, personally I, I i'm not even really all that invested in like you know who who wins um i just want to see like a well-built AEW tag team title, you know, uh, I'm sure the match will be great, but like, I don't know beyond that. Not really like, you know, too concerned. Uh, but Kate will be joining me on Friday for Rwanda uh, Smackdown on the post wrestling cafe. So maybe I'll, I'll talk to, to her about that uh, as well as taking some of your calls on Friday. Last one here comes. To Morgan. Pro- yeah. Muggen writes that Dynamite took another step in the right direction, despite feeling a little overstuffed. Cassidy has been raising the status of the international title, and the mini docs of the four pillars was effective. Mox and Omega wrote another violent chapter in their storied rivalry in the cage match, and I did see Callis turning on Kenny coming for months. Does that mean Takeshita will turn on the elite in order for Hangman to become the fourth man in his place? Possibly. Yeah. That would give... uh... Well, that would give them five, wouldn't it? So maybe the elite add one more. Um, yeah, is that what he's saying here? Because yeah, instead of the well, four, right? Hangman will have to be the fourth, and then that would have to be one more person. So, all right. So it could be five, and I mean, I think you can at least maybe speculate that um, Kenny has a friend out there that's currently a free agent who might make a good f- number five, um, or maybe Takeshi is not involved at all. All right. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh, quite the enjoyable episode of Dynamite as they have two more episodes to go until double or nothing. But we are going to be back. Uh, Want to make mention that today, uh, Richard Deitch joined us, uh, myself and Brandon Thurston. Really great discussion on uh, just sports media as a whole, the coverage of professional wrestling on a lot of mainstream outlets, uh, his thoughts on the way pro wrestling is covered, his own dealings with WWE, and where 
the television rights negotiations, what, what he sees as viable as well. A really great discussion for about an hour. And then Brandon and I also going over uh, several of the news items from today. So you can catch that in both the Post Wrestling and WrestleNomics uh, free podcast feeds. You can subscribe to Post Wrestling or WrestleNomics wherever you listen to your podcast. And as Way mentioned, he will be back well, on Thursday and Friday night on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Thursday night, he will be with WH Park and Neil Flanagan chatting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And Friday night with Kate chatting SmackDown and the return of Roman Reigns. Yeah, both shows available in the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon and also our YouTube membership, also available on Apple Podcasts. But if you're a member of the YouTube and Patreon versions, you can join us live both nights at 10 p.m eastern thursday at 10 for our guardians of the galaxy 3 review and also friday at 10 p.m eastern after smackdown for rwanda smackdown so hope you guys make some time for all of that and the last thing the forbidden pour is going down sunday june the 25th a lot of tickets uh being uh picked up by listeners readers etc of the post-wrestling poison rana communities so we will be hosting a live edition of post-wrestling at 3 p.m. Eastern time at Real Sports, 15 York Street on the second floor, right next to the Scotiabank Arena, the site of the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. So come hang out with us for several hours, go watch the pay-per-view, and then the night is only beginning because the after party begins as soon as Forbidden Door ends. So make your way back to Real Sports and you can hang out into the wee hours with all of your favorite post-wrestling people, wrestling karaoke, wrestling drinks, God knows what else uh, will be happening. But the Forbidden the forbidden Pour happening on Sunday, June the 25th. You can get your tickets, postwrestling.com slash live. $30 gets you access to both the pre and the after party at Real Sports. All right. And that well is done. it. That is all we have to say. Do you have anything, any closing words, any final remarks? Not really. Go Lakers. Good night. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.co.